Os velhos olhos vermelhos voltaram Dessa vez com o mundo nas costas E a cidade nos pés Pra que sofrer se nada é pra sempre? Pra que correr se nunca me vejo de frente? Parei de pensar e comecei a sentir. Ok, that's enough. I think I've, you guys have had uh, enough of my... That was beautiful. Very beautiful mm-hmm. tuned voice. Because I have, like, I have a natural talent. Everyone knows music. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. It is. It it's, is what it's it just, is. It just comes to me. So, hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm, like, so distracted right now. I'm sorry. Um, welcome to Suspiria, a true crime podcast where we bring you all the Latin American classics that we love. You know, dictatorship, murder, what else? Cover-ups. Yes, and I am Stephanie. And I'm Carol. What's popping, people? How was your Mother's Day? What did you do for fun? How's your quarantine daily routine? <sighs> Do you imagine right? people listening to this podcast like five years from now or something? Like, oh yes. my god, that's true. That was a quarantine. Yes, no, it, it's it's gonna be so like I don't want to say funny, but it's definitely gonna be interesting to look back and think, oh my god, I was part of history. It's mm-hmm. just like when I think of um nine eleven, like because I remember like when nine eleven happened. I was home um, trying to watch cartoons and then it got interrupted with, you know, the tower scratch or whatever. And I was like, you're interrupting my cartoons with this? Like, I don't care about this building. (laughs) I was like, I don't care about this freaking building. And now I look back and I'm like, exactly. Because everybody's like, where were you when 9-11 happened? So I feel like people are going to be like, where were you when the quarantine started? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, today we'll talk about a case that people obsess over to this day, ma- mainly because of its shocking nature, but also because it was a huge cover-up and it's just maddening. I've been, I feel like I'm like a, a huge conspiracy theorist after this, like, this is just, I'm losing my mind, you guys. We'll tell you about the kidnapping and the murder of Ana Lidia Braga. Yes, it's it's a mystery, and I feel like it's one of the first Brazilian conspiracy theories that I've ever heard of, honestly. Yeah, I mean, there were a few, like, sim- there was one similar one that we're going to cover that happened, like, not even a year before this one, but this was definitely, like, one of those, like... Uh, case of you know a whole city losing their innocence and people start to lock their doors and that whole thing yeah yeah Yeah. so sources for this outline come from articles from justificando and correio brasiliense and an episode of of our ever-loving linha direta justiça who i mean amazing very very grateful Thanksgiving, I'm gonna definitely do a speech with everything that I'm grateful for, and Linha Direta is gonna be one of the things that I'm grateful for this year. Yeah, no, Linha Direta is um, the best. It's like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's something that needs to be treasured. I wish they would bring it back, but I don't I know if the guy is. who presented it would be like down to do it. I mean, I hope that with this whole resurgence of, like, true crime and stuff, Brazil is going, like, to dive in the whole true crime obsession thing right now. I think th- during this year, I hope that they really redo this because there's many crimes that were not covered by Liga Giretta. And everything is a little dated, but it's amazing. Yeah, no, and you know what would be fun too? You know how they have the Forensic Files podcast? If they mm-hmm. did a fucking Lena Giretta podcast, oh my God, I would lose my shit. I would lose my shit. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about when and where this crime happened. We're talking about Brasilia in the 70s. So Brasilia is the capital of Brazil, as you all know. And it's a city that was all planned out meant to be even sort of a like utopic shaped like a plane kind of city <sighs> and at that time in the 70s it was barely like 10 years old it was unfinished it was uh, almost 100% government workers and it was a, it was almost 100% government workers and it had like a small town feel to it also in the 70s brazil was under a strict 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 military dictatorship and censorship and suspicious shady businesses were very very common government related uh, suspicious things that we only found out years and years and years later of course so when people talk about this case they talk about how it just completely shocked brasilia and it said that the city lost their innocence and while i'm sure that it wasn't the first murder to happen there like it was i think the first like little blonde school girl that was murdered and even then it's really sad that like she didn't matter you know because the case still went unsolved it's still a cover-up so can mm-hmm. you just imagine how many other analogies happened before her that didn't have like that much media attention you know yeah yeah definitely Mm -hmm. and it fucking sucks i feel like there was a big case like this here too i just can't like remember what it was um because i feel like i've heard of like a a girl like a little white girl who was murdered in Mm -hmm. the 70s and like there had been like previous uh girls of color who were murdered in a similar way and Mm -hmm. only when the white girl was murdered did it like catch attention yeah i mean we're not surprised like the way the world is but this sucks ass so analija braga was seven years old she was the youngest daughter of public servants eloisa rossi braga and alvaro braga she had two siblings cristina who was 21 and alvaro henrique who was 18 she was a sweet, well-behaved kid. She was very, she was very musically inclined and loved animals. She was very close to her siblings and her parents, and special to her brother Alvaro, who was actually who was also her godfather. Which is interesting, right? Like, he's eighteen. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, yes, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I feel like that that happened to someone else that I knew. Oh no, mm-hmm. actually no, that's a lie. There's a girl in my class when I was in 3rd grade that her niece used to pick her up from school cuz like we were 9 and her niece was 17. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, weird, this odd. Yeah. yeah. So, it's also said that she was very sheltered. 
She never left the house alone and could barely even play with the kids at the uh, at her apartment complex. One article even says that she had no friends, which is just so sad. And she got murdered. Yeah. She had no friends yeah. and she got murdered. This is like heartbreaking. And she's seven. How yeah. how how do you like oh how do you God. not have friends when you're seven? I like was a weird little kid, but I had friends. <laughs> you know, maybe one or two. Yeah. But still, so uh, she was a first grade student at the Colegio Madre Carmen Salis, where our story starts. Oh, yeah. By the way, back then um, in Brazil, you had to be seven to start first grade. Now mm -hmm. you can uh, start it at six. But that's how it was before. So on September 11th, remember how I talked about 9-11? Oh, my God. Everything comes around. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. <gasps> but this is 9-11, 1973. Um, Anna's mom drops her off at school a little before two o'clock in the afternoon. She would stay there until 4.30 when the maid would pick her up. Eloisa, the mom, watched Annalisa wave goodbye and walk into the school. She would also said that Alvaro was in the car with her and right after dropping the girl off, she took him to the tax collector to get information about getting him a driver's license. So 4.30 came around and the maid went to the school to pick up Analidia, but the girl wasn't there. So what happened? Um, the nun said that Analidia never showed up in the first place and the parents are called up to the school and soon the investigation kicks off. When I say soon, I mean that by five, the police was already at the school. Which is pretty fucking soon by... <laughs> Yeah. police standards in brazil yeah. analisa was seen leaving the school through a side door by benedito duarte da cunha who was the gardener uh she was with a tall blonde blonde young man wearing a brownish wearing brownish pants and carrying a red notebook the gardener said that he was already around the school when analisa was dropped off he was leaning against a tree Was he flipping a coin too? You know how full-time people would flip? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she wasn't resisting or screaming or anything like that. It seems like the two of them were just walking. The gardener would also, set, would also say later on that the man looked like Alvaro, her brother. She was then seen walking um, on a small street around the school with a different man. This time, he was short with tan skin and wavy hair. The woman who saw her was named Diva Aparecida dos Anjos, and I she really didn't... It was, a, was a, a lady named Diva. Oh, my God. <laughs> she didn't really think much of the situation at first because she was so used to seeing kids walking home from school all the time. And then uh, Analidia was seen by a third person, a boy, Tomé, who saw her getting into a Red Beetle taxi cab. She wasn't seen again. Now, just to clarify, because this is a detail that kind of bugged me when I was researching it. How was Analija able to walk, like, the opposite direction from school at the time where she was supposed to be, like, going into class, right? Because if you've ever seen, like, kids going in for class yeah. or traffic yeah. or anything, everything just goes, like, one way, right? Like, you wouldn't yeah. be able to... Yeah, and, like, more if there were more people around, she would be seen by more people, you know, and maybe someone would have questioned it. Analidia attended classes in the morning 
and had some after-school activities on select weekdays for a few hours. So that's what's happening. That's why she was dropped off at 2 and was going to be picked up at 4.30. That was like an after-school thing. And at that time, probably, there will be a few kids here and there, and staff would probably not be paying tons of attention as to, like, who's around the school and who's coming in, who's coming out. They look for Nalija all over the city and find some of her belongings scattered nowhere near the school or, spoiler spoiler alert, where her body would be found. Uh, they found her notebooks, pencil case, and her Susie doll <laughs> scattered through the city. Her Susie doll no. stuff. Susie, if you don't know, is a uh, Brazilian Barbie. But this is so fucking sad. I she went, always wanted a Susie doll. She went I to school with one. her doll, Steph. Yeah. She took I her know. doll to school. She had no friends. She was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. At 7.44 p.m. that same day, the police, uh, the police station got a call. Now, the Braga family doesn't have a phone, so the kidnappers had to call the next best... Oh, my God the next best thing the police they asked which is funny yeah. like to think that Can the kidnappers calling are calling the cop hello nine one one. yes i kidnapped a girl and on one i don't have an emergency but someone else does they asked for two million cruzeiros for ransom which is it's just an astronomical amount of money that her middle-class family would never be able to pay and the officer even tells the kidnapper that was like yeah you're crazy like this is impossible it said that analija was put on the phone and she was crying asking to be reunited with her mom but i only saw that in one place i don't know if this is actual truth the next day a letter addressed to Anadija's dad is left on top of a pile of bags of rice at a supermarket close to where the family lived so instead of walking by and slapping it like a normal person the kidnappers put a letter on top of it what anyway yeah (laughs) you have to find humor in certain situations we can't make fun of the victims we have to make fun of the situation i'm so sorry guys yeah the actual text of the letter was typed on a typewriter but the envelope was handwritten they were asking now for five thousand i mean five hundred thousand sorry they included instructions on where when and where to leave the money and said that analita was doing okay it was kind of gross. It's like your little daughter is doing just fine. Like the, the verbiage was just gross. I hate it. Oh. Yeah, and that is about where the investigation starts to look a little iffy. The letter was given to the police, of course, but no forensics were done. It was basically ignored. Really, the same goes for the phone call. They say it was because they suspected that they were fake from the get-go. That's because uh, one asked for an absurd amount of money that didn't make any sense. And then the other one just asked for way too little for the time for a little girl. Like, it was five, like 500000 is nothing. But, I mean, come on, right? Like, at least take it seriously for one second before I rule it out. This That's is an investigation. Like, this is... I mean, and I feel like this only... <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So they're still looking for her, though. And as police were searching an empty lot close to the University of Brasilia, an investigator sees a rat walking by a stretch of dirt, and it looks like it's been messed with, the dirt. 
And as investigators do, they investigate. And that's when they dig up Annalisa's body. Like less than 22 hours before she went missing. She was buried face down. Her hair had been chopped and some of her eyelashes had been plucked out. She had wounds and bruises all over her body and she died by suffocation. I saw in one article that I don't really trust saying that she was like um, suffocated like right there like on the dirt. But that wasn't like, oh that God. wasn't too clear to me if that's what actually happened. But she was suffocated. There was recently a case that we, if if they solve it quickly enough, we might do it here. Where the mom like beat up her daughter and she dug a grave for her and like threw her in there and just suffocated her with the dirt. This is all fucking awful. Yeah, like I can't even like that. That's one of my worst nightmares, honestly. Yeah. Like. God. So, uh, the autopsy showed that she had been raped post-mortem and two used condoms were found at the scene. They also found a piece of toilet paper, blueprints, and motorcycle tire tracks. It was determined that she died between 4 and 6 in the morning and it is probable that there was more than one person involved because of the amount of wounds that she had. Although, like, the semen found inside the two condoms was from the same person. So, one person yeah. did the... Uh, but, like, yeah. they didn't have DNA back then, right? I mean, they had DNA, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a way to, like, matches and stuff. Test for so, it, yeah. Yeah, so that means that it was probably just, like, a blood type match. And I'm not sure how mm. they would be able to say that it was from the same person if that was the case, right? Yeah, because so, don't, don't you know. remember... Don't you remember with um, Andre Ticatillo, they did, like, a blood test on his semen, and that's mm-hmm. how he got off in the first place. Yeah. Like, so... No, who knows? Quickly, suspects arise. The first one is Alvaro, Analija's brother. And let's elaborate on that. It's not 100% clear for us if the gardener said that um, it was Alvaro that he saw leaving the school with Analija that day, or if it was just someone who looked like him. Because there's a difference, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, it would make sense for it to be him, since it is fair to assume that the man was someone that, that gr- the girl knew like well enough and would feel safe with mm-hmm. to like walk away with uh, mm-hmm. the person. Yeah. They found motorcycle tire tracks on the scene and he also drove a motorcycle. The gardener and other witner- witnesses say that they did not see Alvaro on the backseat of the family's car. Mm-hmm. But the f- Alvaro says he was and the family said uh, they were. That he was in the backseat. Yeah. So but, like, why would he kill his little sister? Well, well <laughs> the most accepted <laughs> narrative is that he would have drug, that he would have uh, some drug debt that he needed to pay off, and a ransom would be a way to get money out of his parents. But then to go from that to strangling, mutilating, and raping her is a huge jump. And I also feel like he would know if his parents had that kind of money. So like, and hmm. especially because like back then, Brasilia exactly. was, Brasilia was uh, like a, a city in which like most people knew each other. So he mm-hmm. could have just kidnapped some actual rich kid, and like gotten the money. I don't know. Yeah. Not to mention that if the plan was to take her, then give her back, she would be able to recognize that <laughs> the kidnapper was her brother, and her parents would find out. So it wasn't a solid plan whatsoever. There's also not a lot of evidence that points to Alvaro having a drug problem. 
he did confess to smoking weed three times, which, let me tell you, that's a lot in Brazil nowadays. Now, can you imagine in Brazil in the 70s? God, yeah, but what a heathen. Is smoking weed a, like three times a drug problem? Enough for drug debt? Like, come on. Listen, you tell my dad that I smoked weed three times, which I haven't. He will try to send me to rehab. Oh um, so, yeah, maybe for the eyes of the law, like, back then, that made him an addict. But, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. He also had an allowance. And in one occasion, he was he has asked his dad to borrow money to pay for an abortion for his girlfriend. And he told that to the police. He told that I have an abortion. I paid for an abortion. I don't know. That seems pretty transparent to me. If he had a drug, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And another you person. Had an abortion that... in Latin America? Yeah. Oof. How dare you? What do you mean? And another person that ended up balled up in all this was uh, Raimundo Lacerda Duque, who is played on Linha Direta by our beloved Caio Black in the reenactment. Just saying. Oh, God. What? <laughs> no? Oh, God. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, well, I know that he has a big dong, so there is that. I didn't know That's that That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's all I have to say about him. <laughs> so he worked, not, not Caio Black, but Raimundo Duque, the, the actual, actual, person. <laughs> actual person, worked under an religious mom and was sort of a friend of the family, but it's not like they were all super close. He had seen Analija like maybe two or three times. So that's not a, a friend of the family, I'll live in your house kind of thing. So yeah, thing is, he was an actual drug addict. And that's for sure. He would do cocaine, heroin, weed, pills, LSD, you name it. Uh, it sounds like he was just having a good time in the <laughs> 70s. So It is the 70s. So, yeah. yeah, we're not sure why he was considered a suspect, but chances are it was because he was an addict, and this would help the whole drug debt narrative. I mean, he even came out and said that he, like, uh, his first statements to the police when she first went, miss- went missing, when he f- um, when they found her body, that was, like, he went to the house, like, to the Braga house, to talk to like you know the parents and all and he found so much police there and they tried to talk to him but he was like out of his mind on drugs you know so he was high the first statements that he did which is crazy but you know like it's an easy target unfortunately also something that doesn't help is that he was kind of a pedophile he would say that it only happened when he was high but he would touch children's butts that's not cool but, you know. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. As soon as he learned that he was being considered a suspect, he split. He took on a fake identity and was on the run for five months on, like, several different states. He didn't stay in the very same place for long. It was crazy. But I Why mean, didn't he just go out of the country? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, yeah, he was promptly arrested. And he would have alleged that he only ran away because he knew that the police were looking for a scapegoat. So, yeah, he wasn't about to let that be him, so he'd just rather run away. He ran away after, like, four days of the murder. So fast. Yikes. Yeah. The official narrative then switched, switches a little bit. It was said that Alvaro sold an allegiance to drug dealers for the de- drug deal. Makes no sense, but okay. Yeah. 
that drug lord was specifically Duke. Involved in this whole mess was also two powerful and influential kids, Alfredo Buzai Jr., who was the son of the Secretary of Justice at the time, and Eduardo Eurico Rezende, the son of a senator. Also, just to be clear, Duque was said to be Brasilia's big weed dealer. Like, he was the weed dealer of Brasilia, drug lord. But, I mean, we don't know if that was true or if it was just speculation from the police. Again, there's no evidence of any of the drug-related parts of this narrative. So, we don't know. So, and this is how uh, the wonderful dictatorship was, y'all. As soon as Hizangi and Buzaid were named, they put a gag rule on the on the press because, you know, you're not going to talk about these people. They were forbidden to say anything about the case and to top it all off, the investigation stalled. You see, they had a shit ton of evidence, condoms, tire tracks, letters, eyewitnesses, but very, very little got examined. I wonder why. The tire tracks specifically are a great example of what really happened with this case. They had casts of the ones uh, at the crime scene, and Alvaro's lawyer took his motorcycle to the station so they could compare the tracks. No molds made it to the process. It's like they didn't even exist. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. And like the lawyer says that he saw with his own two eyes that they looked different. And you can choose to believe that or not. Another thing that was overlooked uh, were the condoms. No one was brave enough to ask for a sample from either his angel or Buzaid. And also, condoms were hard to find in Brasilia. Only a very, very small amount of pharmacies sold them. It wouldn't be that hard to find out if, like, one of the involved people had bought condoms. They didn't do any handwriting analysis on the envelope to match any of the suspects. Also, there's a sketch made based on the on the eyewitness testimony of one of the men seen with Analigia that never made it to the process. Supposedly, he looked a lot like Duki. They didn't really check Alvaro's alibi uh, that he was at the tax collector, a place that is like all files. So that begs the question, was the investigation really invested in finding the truth? Was, was it listeners? It? Was it listeners? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And because so much was said about drugs and drug dealing, they tried to investigate that, but the government didn't allow it. It was like, nope, you're not investigating that? I'll repeat that. This, the When I say the government, I mean the Secretary of Justice didn't allow his son, the son of the Secretary of Justice, to be investigated. What a fucking yeah. shocker. What uh -huh. a shocker. I am shocked. For me, that just confirms that his engine Buzayaj were somehow involved with all of this or that they would get too close to the actual culprits, even if it wasn't the those two teens. Shady stuff was happening with the witnesses too. The nuns that worked at the um, at Analija's school were called in to give uh, their testimonies like six months after it all happened. And they were, like, an essential piece of, like, you know, the eyewitness accounts because Analia vanished from their school, right? So why were they called in six months after the murder? And after they were called in, they got a threatening phone call saying that they needed to be very careful with what information they gave out. Someone threatened the nuns. You're threatening nuns. Yeah. You're out here acting like the keepers. 
Like also, a girl named Pachima came forward saying that she had befriended Duki and Alvaro, and they forced her to inject cocaine, and that's how she became an addict. No comment about that, but she says that she tried to quit. But Alvaro warned her against it. He said that he once wanted to quit too, but, then air quotes, they wouldn't let him. That's why, air quotes again, they killed his sister. And then Doki took her to an empty lot and raped her. Yikes. God. After some time, she said that this was all made up moved away and then a month later she gave her an inter- she gave an interview saying that it was all actually true as far as we know she was the first one to name Buzaiji and Zenji Buzaiji and his Zenji and all this before she named them they were not considered a part of it she also said that the police pressured her to say that she made shit up that they were tr- actually trying to cover up it yeah. she sounds like a credible witness to me I'm not even joking <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like, it's, I didn't find anywhere, in no articles that mention her or anything, the only place that she's mentioned is Linha Direta. And even then, it's like a two-minute long piece. And before I watched it even, I was like, dude, where did these, like, two kids came from? And I wish I knew more about her and, like... If it's just like a drug addict attention whore, or if it's someone that like actually like lived around these kids, or even like probably went to the same school because she was like their age, and like these kids yeah. are the same age, you know what I mean? So I don't know, but I really that's literally all I found about that, which sucks. But more about I'm that later. I'm guessing she even uh, like I don't know if you said this later on, but I'm guessing she either died or she changed her name. I didn't know didn't find anything about her yeah yeah she like vanishes off and all that i don't know weird because like back then (laughs) if y'all have listened to our other dictatorship like episodes it was very easy to make someone disappear so Mm -hmm. um the prosecution got stuck on the narrative that alvaro gave an alija up to dookie and then dot 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 the parents had to make the choice to cover it up so they wouldn't lose another kid and it is not like we think that this is not possible, but really, if it was the case, he would have had to give his sister away. Like, tell his parents, and they would all come up with a solid-ass plan on how to cover it up and act like they didn't know shit, like, in two hours. Again, it's not like it's impossible, but really, like, this yeah. this is giving me Jean Benet vibes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I thought about Jean Benet so many times researching this but i mean i don't know that's also yeah i mean uh, something that i didn't include on this but it's also said that uh she was with people like being tortured and stuff for like 17 hours at least so while the parents were looking for her and stuff like if this is the case uh the scenario would be this okay so alvaro takes her out of school gives it to the murderers right gives her a way to be murdered and then he goes to his parents like right away because the mom will be called to the school at four right 4 30 yeah yeah so around like you know between two and 4 30 he had to call his parents 
both of them and say okay so we're gonna have to cover this up i just gave your daughter away to be murdered she's still alive right now but you know there's nothing we can do about it it's gone then the parents would be like okay i know she's still alive she's gonna be murdered very soon there's nothing i can do so let's cover this up does this seem plausible to you listener and i say that he would have had to talk to his parents i mean it's possible that the parents didn't know okay but like from the get-go when the police gets there at five they're already saying that um alvaro was in the back seat of the car so from moment like from t equals zero the uh parents were already saying that alvaro was with them they're already like corroborating the alibi because from the get-go the gardener already says that the guy that took the girl looks like alvaro right hmm. and so they would have had to corroborate from the get-go so it's not like there's they started covering this up a month or two months later no it's yeah. from the beginning yeah doki and alvaro were charged with the murder and got arrested however the evidence against them was very slim and they would end up being exonerated they couldn't even prove that the two of them knew each other <laughs> before everything happened as far as we know, Alvaro is still alive and he is a doctor in Rio. Duque died in 2005 from alcoholism-related illnesses. Bazai died in 1982 after two years of hiding in a car accident. And his Zenji killed himself in 1990. Hmm, isn't that interesting? I wonder why. <laughs> um, so you said hiding in a car accident after two years of hiding. He, he hid for two years and then died in a car accident. Just to be yeah, clear. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he hit um, in a car accident and died. <laughs> that would be a very painful way to hide. Oh my god, yeah. Um, a park was named after Analigia, and her grave is one of Brasilia's most visited. Just like any, um, many other women and girls that we talk about here in Suspiria, it is said that she can perform miracles. Because, you know, that's that's our favorite thing. That's in what happened to Latin women America. after we die, right? So favorite yeah i'm gonna perform miracles after i die <laughs> vote vote on your miracle yeah i don't know this case is just so frustrating to me so i wasn't too convinced it was like a cover-up honestly even knowing about like how shady the government was back then but like i don't know i thought that it was that if this was all really a cover-up it would be all done better right it's like the whole thing about secret society He's like, if societies were really secret, we wouldn't know about them, right? And if yeah. there are secret societies, we don't know about them. But then I researched this case. And some parts of this narrative have, like, an absurd amount of detail. Like, it's not usual to have so many names, so many ages, descriptions of objects, and, like, descriptions of what people look like. Addresses. So many addresses. And, I don't know, it's just not normal case especially yeah. a case yeah. this old but then when it def when it finally gets to the murder the like to the actual narrative to suspects all of that's like just a few sentences so obviously obviously like either it was a huge cover-up and things are redacted and taken out of the process just like the mold the cast molds of the tire tracks etc i just disappear vanish as if it never existed either that or the investigation was really kept from doing their job and they couldn't um they, they were censored right they, they couldn't um get to certain people they couldn't get to certain parts so 
I think either or both are possible. Honestly. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm not um set on if actual like if the people named here actually have anything to do with this. I think that they might not, but because they're influential and uh powerful instead of the two boys, the families might like, you know, uh shut people up just so they stop talking about them because also, these are kids that have the name, same exact same name as their parents do, you know, as, as their dads, you know. Yeah. So if they're yeah, talking yeah. about them, it's as if they're talking about their dads, and that's super complicated. Like <laughs> on self, you can't have that, and so I think that's maybe why there was a gag order, even if they didn't have anything to do, and we don't know if they were super involved with the drug stuff. Again, they they they, they couldn't uh, investigate that, but there's. I mean, it's possible that that had nothing to do with the case, still. So, we don't know. I don't know. So, I, I don't know. I feel like it's either them or it's someone we don't know. Like, it's it could be anyone. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's more likely, honestly, that they didn't get to the actual people involved in this because they are way more influential than the Secretary of Justice and the Senator, maybe. Or maybe it wasn't someone super influential. It was just like a, a random killer who was, you know, killing the less dead and try to adventure and kill this girl. And then he was like, nope, let me go back to killing the less dead. That's my conspiracy theory for you guys. Yeah. Um, and something I thought too, like, because you know how the dictatorship like had no problem in torturing and killing kids, right? We haven't done yeah. a case like that here to, uh, like yet. We only done... uh adults being kidnapped by the government and tortured and killed but they did that with kids too especially kids that were like the sons and daughters of um people involved in um communism etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> communism yeah <laughs> meaning anyone who didn't anyone, think exactly. that living in a anyone against the government <laughs> so yeah, i don't know i like... think maybe let's say if they kidnapped the wrong person Oh, they, they would have the never kid. admitted to it. Either. Exactly. Exactly. That would be a cover That's a really up. really good point. We didn't know about uh, people being murdered by the dictatorship until like 10 years ago, guys. Like yeah. actual confirmation. I mean, we knew, but actual names and numbers and confirmations. I saw a statistic, Steph. The government killed 8,000 indigenous people during the dictatorship. You know, I really want to do, again, me and my family tree obsession that I'm never going to fulfill. <laughs> I really want to do my family tree to find out if anyone that I am related to died, died during the dictatorship. Because mm -hmm. I feel like most of my relatives were, you know, in small towns and stuff. But then again, uh, the Navis brothers were also in small towns yeah. and they were tortured by the dictatorship and killed. Yeah, I want to so, investigate if my family actually killed someone in the dictatorship because <laughs> we were a military family and that is worrisome to me and I hate that. But again, yeah. some things are just not talked about, are they? <sighs> I don't I don't think I no, well my grandpa's brother was in the military, but I think that's the only person that mm -hmm. I'm related to who was in the military. I'm related to cops, though, which might be a little bit worse. But uh, yeah, but I, I don't think 
I don't think anyone in my family was in the military other than mm-hmm. my great uncle. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It just this case, there's yeah. I mean, as we said, there's a very very similar case that happened a little earlier than that, but um, it's crazy to think that if this didn't happen, the dictatorship, then maybe, maybe it would have been solved, you know. Yeah, maybe yeah. a big maybe. Yeah, and because it is uh Brasilia, I think that is not far fetched thing at all to say there was someone in the government uh yeah not not just because the capital but because at the time most people that lived there were government employees Mm -hmm. and you think that it it would be yeah you'd be someone like high up because of or like someone very connected to someone very high up because otherwise they wouldn't have uh covered this up i think tell us listener who do you think did it? Mm-hmm. Who killed her? Aliens? Was she abducted? No, I don't think it was <laughs> aliens. I think aliens, like, only killed, like, adults. Yeah. I think aliens had a, a, a no kids. No kid policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, let me do shout outs. Yeah. If I may. So, we have Maria Beatriz, Danilo, Thiago. Elder, Giovanna, Junior, Flavia, and Carolina. Not mm-hmm. not, not our Carolina, another Carolina. <laughs> so, y'all, we're so excited about this month because we're going to do amazing cases. We are redoing um, some of our cases in Portuguese. So, if you came here from Tupini Crime, welcome, bem-vindo. And if yes. you came here from... I don't know where else. Welcome to like. Mm-hmm. Let us know where. Where? How did you find us? Podcast? Yeah, exactly. How do you find us? Yeah, because like, we haven't been hustling as much as we used to in the past. So how are you yeah, finding exactly. us? Listening? How, how how did you find us? Please leave us a, a review on iTunes, letting yeah. us know how you found us. Yeah, and send and, us a message telling us. Yeah, yeah, about cases and what do you think about uh, things that have been happening? How, what do you think about this case? What do you think happened? Yes, tell us. We want to hear everything. Mm-hmm. Don't spare us any details. Yep. So I think this is it. We'll be back next I think week so too. with another yeah. episode. Uh, feel free to, if you speak Portuguese or even if you don't, if you, if you just want to <laughs> support us, uh, hit play on Tupini Kimi. Um, Our second podcast, yeah. Exactly. And feel free to send us a message. Yada, yada, yada. You all know about this. <laughs> If you want to be in the episode, like I've been repeating myself Let for two know, years. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> okay. That's it. Goodbye, guys. No, but then I'll follow us off, Raz. Oh, yeah, that's true. I hope you guys have a good end of the world. Splendid, splendid Laters, end of the world. Haters. Later. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, Please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. 
If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SusperiaPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Suspiria.